Long past the hour for quitting labour, amid the smoke-filled haze of the south gate, the after-lodge crew continues to linger in the rubbish of the temple, under the watchful eyes of right-worshipful Grand Censor Bob. Not recognised nor endorsed by any grand or subordinate lodge of regular masons, irregular masons, co-masons, Canadian masons, or internet wannabe masons, they banter on as always. Puffing cigars, drinking stale coffee, making terrible jokes, studying agency law, spreading the intemperance and excesses of digital masonry, and generally disappointing all seven of their podcast subscribers. Do yourself a favour and stop listening now. Only trolls and masochists dare to eavesdrop upon this after-lodge banter. Welcome to episode 165 of the After Live Podcast, spreading the intemperances and excesses of fraternal social media. That's a, that's a good way to open, right, Bruce? Sounds good. Yeah, all over the world, uh, except for Scotland. We'll get into that later. <laughs> Joined this evening by worshipful producer Bruce. Gentlemen, good evening. Uh, and currently untitled Nick. I am back since everybody missed me last week. Yeah. Uh, we, we did. That was all I heard about. Was, Where's Nick? Where's Nick? We have heard you, and I am here. <laughs> and then uh, for everyone's special education, edutainment, uh, we have brother Brian Simmons, who is from, wait for it, you guessed it, take a guess. Somebody on IRC? Anybody? Everybody yeah, knows. Massachusetts. He's yes. from Massachusetts. The the con has the con has been run. Um, all of these <laughs> years of pretending that we're from Pennsylvania, everyone now knows the truth. So, good job, Nick. Thanks for blowing the secret. <laughs> Finally outed. <clears throat> but uh, brother Brian, welcome, welcome. Thank you. So, uh, before we dig too deeply into the 
chicanery and fraternal love that is this show. Uh, would you care to tell us in the audience a little about yourself and uh, why you are uh, what? Oh, I forgot the word from the last show. Why you are a prominent? That's it. A prominent Mason. Well, first I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, I just. Uh, I like to fix things, if you will, and I think masonry is severely broken in many places, and that's become my new passion. How long have you been a mason? Um, about five years. Okay. And were you raised there in Massachusetts? I was. Of course. He's a real mason. Come on. Oh, <laughs> guys. <laughs> All right, we're not going to be able to carry this on. I was going to say, speaking of broken masonry, but maybe that was, yes. maybe no more that was a step too far. <clears throat> well, if it, if, it, Grand Lodge. if it helps any, I'm affiliated in Rhode Island as well. Oh, okay. So, Better. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think we've, uh, in, in a little over three years of doing this show, have not had anything negative to say about Rhode Island. So well, there you go. I mean, the have, caveat is we haven't had anything to say about Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> so uh brian do you hold any uh are you in the officer line how did you start getting involved in your lodge um when i joined my lodge was about two months away from turning their charter in so uh you because know i kind of had a lack of attendance or what? um probably everything um, you know, the building was just having issues. Nobody was coming. There was no reason to come. Um, so needless to say, my class had to jump two feet in and figure out what we were going to do. Evaluate if it was worth saving. I can uh, definitely appreciate that. That is basically my Masonic story with my own lodge. Um, so how did you go about uh, turning your lodge around and becoming a prominent lodge in the area well i talked quite a few of my friends into joining and you know rolling up their sleeves and their friends started to join and it worked out um, you know there's, there's so many avenues between doing charity again and um, actually having speakers at meetings and getting degree work off meeting nights so people would come back to lodge um you know, the, the list can go on. Buildings, widows lists and having women's nights and social events. Jeez. So would you, on a typical lodge night, I'm, I'm dying to know, uh, what time does, does lodge normally close? Well, we typically open at 7. Uh, we try to be no longer than 25 minutes. Uh, we're still working on configuring a way to vote faster on ballots. Um, we just haven't gotten there yet. But if there's no ballot, there's no reason we're open by 7.30 and then we'll do a lecture after. Usually invite, you know, interested people in to join in the lodge or the wives will come up depending on the topic. Okay. And how late is it before the lights are off and the doors are locked? Depends on the evening. Um, if the wives don't come, usually about 2 a.m., but um, if the wives are there, 10, 30, 11. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, what I was doing there was illustrating a successful lodge. <clears throat> always doing employee. it right to me. 
the after lodge method of lodge success, <laughs> which is when the gavel drops and the parking lot is empty, you're doing it wrong. Mm. Yes. <clears throat> um, that I, I think, I mean, when I look back on how our own lodge turned around uh, after I joined, that's the, the single thing that we can point to is differentiating us. All of the other stuff that we were doing together with the pancake breakfasts and charities and the fairs. Oh my God, the fairs. We'll, we'll get into that later. But um, all of that stuff kind of came after. The lodge started turning around when a few of us said, eh, we don't feel like going home. And then would share time together as brothers yakking about uh, whatever was being yacked about on a given evening but that that always seems to be the start and it's a recurring story uh so the question we always get from the after lodge podcast and we tell you this is what you need to do first well first you need to you need to cook and have food because there's something about food and then don't leave when lodge is over and if you do those two things you'll start seeing results very quickly and i think uh, uh brother simmons is his lodge is just another illustration of that point. So thanks for uh, making a point for us. Just another solid Massachusetts lodge, huh? Oh, my God. I love this guy. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> oh. So, oh, man, you guys just – I saw an invite go through Facebook. So you guys are huge on Facebook, right, your entire lodge? Yeah. You could say that, yeah. How did how did that start? And if there's anybody listening who wants to get um, their lodge on Facebook but has met resistance, do you have any advice for them? I took over the Facebook page in, I think, 2012, and we had a, a couple pictures on there, and then something about coming to an installation, and it was all spelt wrong, and, you know, just, just uh -huh. a disgrace. Um so we just started slowly building it up and pushing, you know, um, yeah. events out and trial and error for about five years. And, you know, now we're, to my knowledge, the largest lodge Facebook page in the world. I think over 11,000 people. Um, oh, wow. Say that again. Yeah. 11,308. That is gigantic. How did you do that? Our if our podcast had a Facebook, I don't think it would be quite <laughs> that hard. We don't know because somebody doesn't follow through. Well, I don't. I I don't have access. We went over this. Uh, just like the Reddit is anarchy, uh, the Facebook is also anarchy because I was never made an admin and my co-host left. It sounds like malarkey, but <clears throat> anyway, start another I mean, page. We'll make I was it. Just say we could just make a new one. There's no <laughs> need to use that one. Yeah. Anyway, so eleven thousand. How many? How much was it? How many people uh, were subscribed or liked it when before you took it over? Do you know? Uh, like thirty or forty-seven, something like that. It was something with a seven, real low. Uh, <laughs> so, like, what 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 percentage of these people are like? Are, are not brothers or maybe direct friends of guys who go to the lodge are these uh, are these uh, like masons around the world is this uh, just a whole bunch of local people who know the um, lodge through the facebook page or is it just friends of friends of friends or what's it it's 
everything really. Uh, we have several countries. We have, you know, a ton of masons in Brazil, um, England, Israel. We had a, a brother come out to Massachusetts and he looked us up because he was coming out and he wanted to visit our lodge, um, which was really cool to sit down and discuss differences, which is <clears throat> one of my favorite things. But yeah. Um, but yeah, they're friends of friends, and we we really push our OES chapter and um, you know wives, relatives, because they bring in quite a few members for us. Hmm. So <coughs> I'm from Massachusetts, so I'm allowed to use the phrase I'm about to use. How do you contend with the secret Masonic thought police? in Massachusetts who scour the Facebook and hold you responsible for comments and links and people who link to your Facebook from pages you have no control over. Um, we honestly don't have an issue. Oh, huh. I mean, it, in fairness, I'm on the info services and technology committee for grand lodge. So the inside scoop, you're a purple people eater. Got it. I mean, I guess, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i mean you you do have to police your page people will put stupidity on there all the time and you know it's all on my phone so within minutes i can get rid of something you know mm. it's a, a push alert and is it is it just you or uh do you have other guys from your lodge helping with that um other people have access but i typically do all the content just to keep it consistent Okay. The reason I ask is uh, if you listen to the last show we posted, uh, one of the things I was kvetching about was that uh, Worshipful Master Lucifer couldn't get me out of Masonic jury duty. Um, that, that Masonic trial was this past Friday evening, and uh, it was... There are some things that, that I, I learned from that personally, uh, but the, the the controversy all started over a Facebook page. Um, one of the guys in the social club had started a Facebook page, and he's a marketing guru, and uh, he managed to bump that page promoting their, their fish fry and do some really fantastic things with it. Uh, garnered all kinds of attention and whatnot, except when he ran into differences with the lodge, um, I, I won't get into the rest because that stuff is supposed to be sealed or whatever the Grand Lodge does with it. But um, it was a stickling point that one guy had control over this really big, popular public Facebook page. And it, it wasn't shared amongst the brethren of the Lodge and there was no consensus. It was just one guy. And so he ended up being responsible for everything that happened from there and well, the rest of it is history, but uh, that's why I ask if it was just you or does, so do you own it or does your lodge own it? Um, technically, everything's owned by the lodge, okay. so we'll have certain people on there as a failsafe. Same thing with the website. I mean, yeah. we had a website before and nobody could figure out how to get in it, so we just started a new and connected everything right to the lodge credit card and, and it, it runs itself. So there's always a fail-safe in case I get, you know, hit by a car tomorrow. Everything well, more importantly, in case you go rogue, um, is seems to be the, the thing around here. 
Although I've been trying for years to get the lodge to take ownership of the domain names that I've purchased and uh, the SSL certificates and all of that. Why do but you need an SSL cert? Huh? Why do you need an SSL cert? Well, because you can't have SSL if you don't. I'm confused. What do you... You traffic not over SSL? Not to our lodge's website of here's how to come get some pancakes. It's 2017, man. The front page of Google is SSL. <laughs> no, uh, really, it's our uh, the, the fairs that we run. Got it. Um, I've digitized all <laughs> of that, so our exhibitors and sponsors and everybody else do all their stuff through the websites, and so it's credit card stuff, and it's all uh, that's why we have to have them. Um, but also, I work in computer security, and I'm on the encrypt everything bandwagon. <laughs> and I pay a lot of money for a, the private server that all this stuff runs on, and it doesn't really get taxed very hard by running these websites. So I mm. figure if I encrypt everything, I'm at least running more CPU cycles and getting some of my money worth. Money's worth. <laughs> um, That's funny. But the other thing I learned from this trial, I'm, I'm going to take a brief tangent is uh, in Masonic jurisprudence, uh, at least in our jurisdiction, I imagine it's like this in most, uh, there is a heavy presence of attorneys who are also brothers. Our trial oversight committee is all lawyers. That's like one of the requirements to be on it. Um, and then you get the opportunity to have a brother represent you who's supposed to be an attorney who's also a Mason. Um, the defendant, if you will, in this case... Um, chose not to do that, and he wanted his father to represent him, who is not an attorney, and the committee let him go ahead with that, thinking that it wouldn't hurt anybody but him, and boy, did it. So, um, if any of us, <clears throat> Bruce, find ourselves... I don't understand what that means. With, <laughs> ...served with papers from the Grand Lodge, uh, you'll want to find someone to speak for you who knows about things like... Uh, you know, basic procedure and uh, persuading the crowd and so on. Uh, the big, the big problem uh, was. So, this, so, so, what you're saying is more lawyer than brother, right? The, the, well, this this thing went on for almost six hours, and it could have been done in like thirty minutes, and probably with a much more favorable outcome for uh, for the guy. But uh, it, it wasn't, and so the other five hours were spent rehashing stuff that's not at all important as to what the charges were and the the whole point that you can't you know when you're questioning a witness you're not making testimony you're the witness is testifying not you right um and, and just over and over again having the oversight committee who are like the judges um jumping all over you because you don't answer that you're asking questions. If you want to make statements, take the stand and all of that. Uh, and the other thing I learned is that uh, the I'd never been to a Masonic trial before. Um, as I understand from the Millennial Freemason, I can expect to be at a lot more of them. Uh, because once you have a past master who's an attorney, they just get roped into it. I'm still going with the theory, Bruce, that we upset the deputy grand master. And so this is his retribution is making sure that we get put on these juries. Well, uh, you, you, you've managed to upset the incoming. Yes, uh, it's, so, it's a, because uh, it's awful. It was it's not really going to end awful. anytime soon. 
But the other thing is that the the rules of evidence and procedure that typically protect you in a court of law don't exist in Masonic trials. Um, so things like hearsay are like the they're the word of the day. That, that the whole thing is all hearsay. Cool. Like there's uh, like this testimony is going on. I kept looking at the the attorney that's running it and making my my like shrug face. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we recessed and everybody was out smoking, he uh, he pulled me aside and was like, I don't know you, brother, but I'm going to assume you're an attorney because you have the same look that I had the first few of these I did. There's no rules of evidence. It It's just, it's all there. So um, you can present stuff that's not authenticatable. You can use hearsay. You don't have to do the stuff about authenticating and providing evidence to the other side. The whole thing's like a kangaroo court. I don't know. Uh, I'm starting to agree with uh, the millennial Freemason about uh, we have to find a different way of doing this. Um, mm. there, there's got to be a better way of handling Masonic discipline than than the way we do it. I don't know what that is. Uh, one day when my son is Grandmaster, maybe I'll be able to talk him into fixing it. Maybe by then I'll have figured something out. Anyway, that was a big tangent, but uh, I wanted to share that, and I so, had a segue. Are, are, are the rules like that? Is that something that's done on a jurisdiction-to-jurisdiction jurisdiction basis? or is it Oh, like yes. Okay. Well, everything is on a jurisdiction-to-jurisdiction jurisdiction basis. Um, oh, right. Duh. That's why we can get away with some of the stuff we do at Lodge, and we might not if we were, I don't know, in Nick's state of residence. You know, like we we have uh, we have black guys that come come to lodge with us. Uh, <clears throat> no comments. At some point, I think there was even a homosexual. What? Stop lying, <laughs> so Brian. Have you ever been part of, or hopefully not, been in a Masonic trial? Where I come from, the Grand Master is the Masonic trial. Oh, yes. I, oh, I, yeah. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. That's right. You know, I was going to, like, rebut and say how terrible that is and tyranny and all of this, but after watching my first Masonic trial, I'm starting to think that maybe there's something to that. Oh, come on. That's just because it's so, like, freshly ingrained in your memory. Give it a couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> so... If this had been in an actual courtroom with procedure and, and whatnot, we would have been done in like half an hour. It, it, it was an open and shut case, and it got on this tangent of stuff that doesn't matter at all because it was a feud between these two families really at the core of everything. Okay, but like all of that was just because of the one guy who should have been a lawyer but wasn't, right? Um, well, I presume I, I heard from the other guys on the jury that, uh, this wasn't their first rodeo. Uh, it was mine. And they said that these always run way longer than is necessary because in most cases, what a Masonic trial around here boils down to is people don't like each other. Um, usually mm -hmm. the things that you would think would be in a Masonic trial, like some guy was convicted of a crime of moral turpitude. There's usually just not a trial. It's usually just, you know, he signs the paper and he's out. Uh, when the whole trial happens and sub summonsing witnesses and all of that, it, according to these guys, it tends to be really, it's just people bickering. Um, 
And then somebody managed to commit a Masonic offense in the midst of that bickering. And then there's a trial. Um, Interesting. Uh, but that was my educational experience in Masonic trials. So uh, all of you brethren of Pennsylvania, uh, if you get in trouble and you need representation at a Masonic trial, uh, call someone else. <laughs> That's funny. <clears throat> anyway, it's enough anyway. stuff with trials. All right. So, Brian, you guys have a speaker coming up soon. Uh, some alchemist, maybe? Something I just lost a page. Why don't you tell us about that? Uh, we have a couple, actually. How Friday. do you guys... Sorry, how do you guys find these? Well, tell me... Tell us who's coming. And then kind of, if someone wants to try to get some people to talk at their lodge, how can they find these people and get it going? Um, it's actually really easy. Um, we've had great luck just asking. And typically, if they're far enough away, you put them up in a hotel and fly them out or whatever. And they'll come. But uh, let's see. Friday, we have Michelle and Jay Snyder. They're symbology experts, and they decode classic images. Um, which is pretty interesting. Um, I was talking to her, and symbols like the RX symbol for medicine has been traced back to like 6000 BC, where it still meant, meant medicine. So it's kind of cool. What? Wow. Yeah. I never that's... knew what RX means today, let alone back then. Well, I don't either, but I know it needs medicine. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Um, Let me find the other if one. only I was, if only I was near uh, the great state of over there, I oh, would. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say it once for us. I, I would stop by and uh, and I might learn what the RX stands for. I mean, if you want to move there, I say things incorrectly. Apparently, um, much like Tony says, masonry. So. I have been seeing a speech pathologist and working on my pronunciation of that state. And as soon as I have finished the exercises and treatment, uh, I will vocalize the name of that northeastern state again. You don't want to show us your progress? No. <laughs> um, so last year we had a guy join the lodge and he was an entered apprentice and he was just like chomping at the bit to get education. So a few of us got together, we formed like a study group. We named it Lumen Scienti, which is like Latin for light of knowledge. And he's been pumping speakers into it, just reaching out to people that, you know, there's, there's so much that they can sell books and whatnot, but there's, there's so much of a thirst up here for just information. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been going for about two years now. And uh, another one that he's, that's coming up is Greg Kaminsky's introduction to the tarot cards. It should be pretty interesting. But they're usually all free. But do oh, you really? have anybody come and talk about George Washington's Masonic career? Did you know he was a Mason? Um, yeah. So, uh, around here, when you hear Masonic education, uh, you nine times had out of some ten, high level talks to have known that. Yeah. Whew, he's a little bit too advanced for the rest of us. <laughs> nine times out of ten, the, the, the seminar is something about how George Washington was a Mason. And you're, you're like, thanks, but... I Which is cool if you have uh, Mark Talbert from, you know, the George Washington Memorial come up or something like that, but 
you know, there's only so many experts, I guess, that you need to listen to. Yeah. Um, we've been, we try to do some other stuff. Uh, uh, landscaper Josh arranged for uh, one of the guys from uh, the local TO Lodge to come and talk about hermeticism and uh, roots of hermeticism in Freemasonry. And it was fascinating. And then the old guy in the corner raises his hand and says, y'all know George Washington was a Mason? <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Uh, yeah. There were like half a dozen of us who, you know, got some stuff out of it. Yeah, um, Dan's a really bright guy. He, we, we should have him back to do something like that again. But uh, I am envious, uh, Brother Simmons, of of your ability to do that because we have been attempting. Um, but it, it just the other thing is we're cranking through degree work like nobody's business because our lodge is growing. So uh, that makes it difficult too. Because we we don't call meetings for degree work, so we meet twice a month, and if once a month, sometimes twice a month, there's a degree going on, well, there's there's no speakers. Mm. So we only do degree work once a year. So you, you're in that class or you're out? Huh? Oh, the one-day class. Oh, no, 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 no. One-year class. So we do entered apprentice at the end of June, early July. And then Fellowcraft is in November, and then we'll raise you in December, January. But that's the only time that we're going to do those degrees. Oh, jeez. Oh. What, what, what kind of Bruce. turnouts do, do you have for those? I mean, how do you, like, can you do that if you have, I don't know, 10 people or something? Well, by doing it during that period, I mean, we'll do it on four or five different nights if we have to. But oh, okay. um, it's right. not all at once. That... That is something I've I mean, never considered doing it that way. Well, we so, have a big, so when you apply, so if you applied, say, in July, you're going to wait until next June to join. But if you don't prove that you are a Mason before then, then we're not going to put you through the degrees. So if you're not showing up to things that you can come to and, and helping out around the lodge, then you're not going to do it after we make you a Mason. So why waste our time? I like it, strangely. <laughs> like I, I really want to, I really want to challenge you on it and and take like the opposite side because playing devil's advocate is what I do normally. But I've never heard of that particular method before. That is the, the so. Problem. Hmm. Sorry, Nick. Go ahead. So if I come to your lodge in January, I find your lodge and I'm like, hey, I want to join. What is the process between January? and June or July or whatever you said. Because in Florida, what happens is, as much as I hate it, if it was the same person in Florida, they would come to dinner, <clears throat> which is before lodge, eat a quick meal, go into the lodge, listen to education for like 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, five to 10 minutes. And then they'd be like, okay, if you're not a master mason, get out. And they would have to do that for three or four months, twice a month. And then uh, they'd be like, "Hey, you stuck around. Here's a petition." So, what do you what do you guys do? Uh, kind of similar, I guess. Not not quite like that. So, you know, they come to dinner, um, and then we leave all the candidates and whoever's not a Mason downstairs, mm -hmm. and you know they can 
do what they want. We'll go upstairs. But again, half an hour, we're out of the meeting. Then everyone comes up and we do our education, but it's whatever we want. So it doesn't have to be Masonic at all. We had a, a beekeeper this past uh, February came in and talked about how he, how he got into it, how he does it all. And, you know, brought a ton of samples and tried different types of honey from different flowers. It's really cool. Um, so they get involved, and by the time the year is up and they're a master mason, they're friends with everybody in the lodge. So it's not – they're not going to go anywhere because they're not going to leave their friends. That is – it's a good take. Uh, one of the things that we tried for a little while uh, before we lost our Leo – um, was we had a not an official position, but we had a lodge education officer, if you will. Um, and his job, much like the Tyler, was to not be in the lodge room. So guys, EAs and fellow crafts, because our jurisdiction still does this silly thing about you can't have business meetings not on the Master Mason degree. So they would come to dinner, and then they would hang out in the dining room with the education officer and discuss whatever was of interest to him or them while we were in the meeting. And then when we all came out to have coffee and cake or whatever, you know, they were still there. Um, that worked out really well, but it was short-lived. Um, sounds similar, except then they're just friends with that one guy and each other because uh, they still don't really get to mingle with the lodge as much. Mm. Yeah, we stay on whatever degree the lowest candidate is. I wish we're working on that. Uh, we have legislation coming up at Grand Lodge this year uh, for a final up or down vote to finally allow the master of his lodge the discretion on what degree he should open his lodge on, which in my opinion should have been the rule the entire time. And it was until, you know, Morgan had to go and run off to Canada and whatnot. And then everybody got all <laughs> and made some stupid rules. And then the opposition to us putting that in has been, you can't make innovations in the craft, and this is the way it's always been. And like our committee is showing the grand craft, the minutes from lodges in the 19th century, where you're doing work on the EA degree. This third degree restriction was the innovation in the craft that we're trying to undo. Amen. And, and they won't see it because, you know, that's the way I did it when I joined, and that's how it's going to be. Also, when I joined, it was free, white, and 21, and I'll be damned if I'm going to see it change. Damn millennials. Well, I mean, you have to keep in mind that when we rescued the lodge, if you will, as a group, we only have one or two past masters at the time, and now we have four. Uh, we've had a lot start coming back, but, I mean, I, I don't want to say that they know their place, but they're not interfering with progress. Yeah, that's that's about our own lodge. It was rough at first. They they gave us a lot of friction, uh, but I think what happened was after a while, uh, the patrons of our lodge, if you will, so those two or three guys that were holding everything together for thirty years, they eventually figured out that we were here to stay and we had nothing but the best intentions for the lodge and our mm -hmm. ideas were kind of working. So they eventually kind of relinquish the reins, if you will, but it took a long time to earn that trust. Uh, and I don't hesitate to think that if we got too crazy at some point, they wouldn't be capable of stepping back in and bumping us to the side because they've got that phone book or Rolodex 
and they could pack the lodge on an election night <laughs> and put things back the way it needs to be, but they haven't. Um, sometimes they don't like some of the things we do, but they give us the benefit of the doubt. But it took us five, ten years to get there. Um, so it, that's also good counsel for brothers struggling in a lodge where the old guard won't let go. Uh, a lot of times it's just they want to make sure they can trust you before they just turn over the reins. And sometimes it's just they don't want to let go and you're just going to have to do something else or find another lodge or wait for a funeral. Um, I've seen both scenarios. I mean, it's not uncommon, I think. Um, but our, our affiliations are through the roof where brothers are seeing what we're doing or what they can't do in their lodge and they're coming to us. <clears throat> you mentioned your lodge meeting is only 30 minutes. Yes. How? <laughs> right. <laughs> it takes, it honestly takes us 30 minutes to get everybody in the chairs, shut up and open. Do you guys do a full opening? Well, I mean, a Massachusetts, you know, not full form, but a normal opening is only about five minutes, and then we can close in three minutes. So, you know, we don't do minutes. We vote on a budget wow. in the in the fall, and then what, what is it we we'll talk about? New Listen. motions. Don't do minutes. That's, <laughs> Hold that's on. the key. Harlan, are you Hold listening? Hold on. <laughs> You're blowing everybody's mind that's going to be listening to us. you got to go slower. So you guys don't do minutes. That's That's huge. No. What that is unsonic is what that is. That's, if you'd like to see the minutes, you can log in. <laughs> you can log into the website and read them anytime you want. Or go to the secretary's desk. They're sitting there, and you can just make a correction with them. But there's no reason to hear what we did. No, no. George no, no, no. Washington would be rolling. That, that, is, that is what Lodge is about, sir. <laughs> Reading what you did at the last Lodge meeting. If you don't do that, what, what do you have? <laughs> Some bills? <laughs> No, the bills are in a budget, so we don't talk about bills unless we have an extenuating what? outstanding bill. <laughs> what do you guys three masonry, sir? <laughs> uh, guys, I I didn't think he was claddy before. Andy, I, you brought us a couple pancakes. Uh, no. Do you have a pancake oh, breakfast? Oh, oh, um, I, I'm disgusting. I technically, we do. We uh, I don't like technically. It's a yes or no question, sir. But not in our building. We go to a do a relay for life, and then we cook breakfast god. for all the participants. Oh dear God! Why do you have a building if you're not serving pancakes? What? Um, <laughs> well, we put a smoking room in it. That was pretty nice. Us. And then, oh whoa 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 whoa! Roll that back. Roll that. Dude, back. you can't go this fast. You don't understand, Brian. <laughs> I am like John the Baptist trying to tell people you've been coming, and no one's been listening. Smoking room. What what is this this smoking this is, room? This is entirely too much innovation. <laughs> I don't understand. Well, our members have a smoking room at the Scottish Rite, and then the city <laughs> made a smoking ban, and the Scottish Rite's like, "Well, the law's the law. Can't smoke in the lounge." So Massachusetts has a cigarette ban or a smoking ban, I should say, and it's like a double closing door and it's only for members in private buildings which we are so we just had to find a room that had a double closing door and we painted it put a humidor in there and a 50 inch tv and that's where we go oh my god next you're gonna tell me you guys have like 
internet in your lodge. Uh, we have yeah. internet in our lodge. That's that's yeah. Yeah, we got the Wi-Fi. Disgust me. 150 inch projection TV, and we watch the you know we do movie nights and stuff. And... No, mm-hmm. I don't know, Brian. <laughs> no, this is this is starting to sound. I do like not know. A, this is starting to sound like a fraternal lodge, and not this is starting not to sound like the Twilight Zone. Zone. This isn't the Moose Lodge, sir. We don't have fun. <laughs> You well, want that? We, you can go to the Odd Fellows. That's what they're for. Yeah, we do it in tuxedos, so it's not that big of a deal. Hold on a second, my pants just got shorter. All right, <laughs> sorry. Lodge attire is a uh, a button of mine. If uh, if you listen for any length of time, it's a uh, it's a thing when guys wear their gym shorts and wife beaters to. Wait! No! 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 no. You. Come down here and see an EA degree in shorts and flip flops, and then you tell me. That that literally breaks my heart, Nick. Like that. I, I, I just. Do you yeah. do this after running a tri? Uh, uh, do I? Excuse me. I am a Massachusetts Mason. I will wear a tuxedo. <laughs> I think if I wore a tuxedo to lodge, I would be laughed out of the building. I mean, I wear a suit, and I get made fun of for the suit. So, yeah. Although Bruce, Bruce has some good fashion. Bruce is master now, and he wears a suit. Mainly because I can't have the secretary wearing (laughs) a nicer get-up than me every meeting. And landscaper Josh usually wears. Landscaper Josh usually wears something nice, but it's because if he doesn't wear a button-up shirt with a collar, then everybody can see his neck tattoo. So. Well, like he's he's kind of half and half. Like half the meetings he'll do that, and then the other half he'll come in with like the green shoes where he just got done cutting grass, and like yeah. grass clippings are still in his leg hair and stuff. Yeah. Um, Ryan has we, no idea what you guys are talking about. We we've got some guys from uh, who come from work, and you know I look the other way on that because I'm like I'm just glad you're here, brother. But uh, mm-hmm. there's just other guys who they they just. It's not that they don't have anything nicer. They just didn't feel like wearing it. They they don't care. It's not important. They don't uh, see a it, reason to. It drives me insane because it's a maybe I'm old school in my young age that it's a it just seems disrespectful. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't go to court. You wouldn't you wouldn't go to somebody's important function. You wouldn't go to church dress. Well, maybe you would around here. But it's if you value the the locale that you're attending, you. You kind of put your best, your best outward appearance on, and uh, I, I catch a lot of flack for that uh, here where we are because it sounds, I guess, in this environment, it sounds elitist. But uh, it's just how I feel, man. So if I, if we wore tuxedos to lodge and had a smoking room and speakers who didn't talk about George Washington every meeting, all right, uh, you guys talk amongst yourselves. I am hitting the lawyer job boards and seeing what firms in Massachusetts are. Uh... Don't you? No, no, sir. You will not <laughs> leave me here. Actually, I know a law firm that's hiring in Massachusetts. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Stop it right now. <clears throat> I could get you in. They'd probably pay for your whole family to move there too. Unless you also know a mail carrier in Massachusetts yeah. who is willing to do a mutual transfer with myself. <laughs> the problem, Nick, is is I do this podcast, and I also engage in other online chicanery, and the secret Masonic thought police have my picture on their smartphones, and they're just waiting on me to uh, 
step into the jurisdiction so they can slap the, <laughs> the cuffs on me and drag me off to the Grand Lodge jail. Harlan is wanted in that state. Sorry. In Massachusetts? I'm pretty sure. Oh, yes. Uh, I know a guy. I'll take care of it. Brian, how many people... It's not Harlan, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, how many people come to your lodge meeting on average? Like our members or just visitors and... All, everybody. Just total number of people. Um, <clears throat> between 30 and 50, depending on the speaker. Wow. Really? I went, to, I went to York right last night. We had eight. I was, I was thinking it'd be... I mean, that, that's a good, comfortable number. Um, that's typically what we do for our uh, for our minutes and bills. So I wonder, Bruce, do we have enough seats if we did something else? <laughs> well, we only have 90 local members. Oh, okay, so. yeah. We're like 130 or so, so that might be the difference. Uh, we typically have about uh, 15 to 20 of our own guys and then 10 to 15 visitors. Are there other lodges that meet in your building, Brian? There is. They're meeting right now as we speak. Oh. Which lodges are those? Thought we weren't talking about locations. No, we're not. How, oh, how, <laughs> sorry. How, how does that work out with um, uh, one of the things that we, we caught locally from a lodge that was looking into the after lodge method? Uh, they were struggling with the the terms of their leases because they share a they share share the Scottish Rite building in town. There's like four or five lodges that meet there, and there's like one of the trustees that has to open and close the place, and he's not a member of any of those lodges. And so when the meeting's over, he's you know rushing everyone out because he needs to lock up so he can go home. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go slow here, but yep. All of our active members have key cards, and they can come and go when they want. Bruce, <laughs> you know I've talked about this before, and I got shot down. Well, hold on. I, even I'm not, I'm not completely on the, you know, I'm completely on his, whatever. Well, we wanted to do it for security as well as convenience. But to give them to everybody? Maybe not to everybody. Every active member. Yeah, it's. At our lodge, getting a key to the building requires that you have some reason that satisfies the committee that handles that. Um, so generally that reason is you're an officer of the lodge or the Eastern Star, or you're a lecturer who meets candidates over there to lecture, or you're with the social club and you work for the breakfast. Or It, it doesn't take much of an excuse to get a key. And the result is that there's like 40 keys in circulation. Mm -hmm. And then we had a... <coughs> We had a break-in. Well, it wasn't a break-in um, years ago. Now, granted, this was there were far laxer laws on or yes. rules on getting the key then. Uh, even more lax than they are now. Yeah, right. and uh, whoever it was came in, busted open the freezer where we were keeping the fish because we were doing the fish fry back then. So they busted the lock off, and we kept the startup money in a tin can in there. So we came in, and the tin can's empty, laying on the floor. But the door was locked. Like they locked the door back when they left. <laughs> They're a gentleman. I mean, and uh, when the detective showed up and was asking, oh, well, that's great. It was clearly somebody with a key who has a key to the building. 
Um, after we got done explaining that, he said, we'll get back with you. And I'm pretty sure all of that stuff just went in some trash can at the police department. And that was it. Uh, that's when I started talking about the key card system. And everybody said that that'll never work. No one does that. It's overkill. And they also said that about the internet connection and the smoking lounge. Well, we call it the Tyler's Lounge. Um, Although, to be fair, the key card entry, uh, that's something that's gotten kind of significantly cheaper. Um, it has. Well, I was going to I was gonna roll our own, so it would have been cheap to begin with. But um, I'm taking notes, Brian. I'm going to use all of this <laughs> at our own lodge and be like, this it, is It's way it. too much to, to give them all at once, Harlan. Just Well, we're know, not going to stop reading the minutes, so you ain't got to worry about that. There will be minutes and bills. Otherwise, what is Harlan supposed to do? But yeah, we have, um, you know, we have a lounge floor with, you know, leather couches, a big fireplace. Um, we call it our serving bar, but it has libations in it and, you know, two pool tables, the movie theater and the smoking room. So Libation. you're paying. Right, thanks for listening to episode 165 <laughs> of the After <laughs> <Podcast>. <laughs> <laughs> Show notes for we're gonna, people are gonna unsubscribe from you. Like, no, I ain't listening to this crap. I don't need press. Clandestine libation, libation like uh, like grape juice that Jesus drank, the non-alcoholic kind, or or lemonade. Tell him, Brian. Yeah, Tell him. Tea. Uh, no, not not at all. Not like that. Sweet tea, like I've like I've got in my uh, my glass here. Uh, sweet tea. Yeah, I'm fancy. Like I even that. have a decanter of sweet tea myself. Wait, well, let, let's do this right. Do you have dinner before or after lunch? Most of the time we have it before. And hey, then we do not have libations before or during a meeting. But after correct. meetings, we can do as we wish. Now, how do you get away with that? It's Grand Lodge rules. We're all allowed to do that. Yeah. Are you? I mean, we police ourselves. Yeah. You know, you don't let a brother go home intoxicated or anything, but our jurisdiction has a very strict like prohibition era phobia of anything related to alcohol. Like it can't even be in the lodge. Yeah, like if somebody wanted to raffle off a, a nice a nice bottle of whiskey, like you'd have to transfer that bottle of whiskey in the parking lot off lodge property, preferably. So um, we can have whiskey and drink it. But we can't raffle things. Hmm. Well, we supposedly can't either. And and we don't. That was hypothetical. Uh, we don't violate the gaming laws in our jurisdiction. But, um, yes, we definitely did not. Uh, that that, uh, that AR-15 that we gave away was, um, was a random giveaway. Definitely not a raffle. Um. People, people donated to to our social club, uh, but a donation was not required for a chance at the uh, at the firearm. And yeah, we're we're just gonna I'm just gonna leave that there. Uh, <laughs> we've been pushing our Grand Lodge to. I, I think the next big step for Lodge success for us is somehow finding a way to skirt around the prohibition anti teetotaler attitude that we have. Uh, but since there are far too many Baptists to kick them all out, um, I don't really know how to accomplish that. We've came up with all kinds of, of harebrained schemes to do it. Uh, we thought if our social club acquired the lodge property and then just leased it to the lodge, 
that then the Grand Lodge would have no say over what the social club did with its building. Uh, we found out quickly through the example of a different lodge that that would not only not work, but would land a lot of people in hot water. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're open to ideas short of changing the Constitution because we are trying to do that and failing miserably. And I hate to say it, we're trying to do it for more important things. Hmm. Brian, what kind of food do you guys serve? I probably almost don't even want to hear this, Nick. No. <laughs> I know the answer. That's why I'm asking. Um, I mean, it, it depends on the month. Uh, we have a lot of – we're a very young lodge. So we'll have some of the wives come in and cook and stuff like that. It just – uh, it just depends on what we feel like. We have a restaurant depot cart, so we go down there and get the restaurant food at the you know cheap prices. So I mean, we can do prime rib and potatoes and green beans for uh, like eight bucks a person. What? Does the lodge cover any part of that, or is that just what it costs if you divide it out? Well, that's what it costs per person. Then we charge ten dollars, you know, so it covers everything. Mm. But. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. This is all clandy. Mm. All clandy. Harlan, I don't, I don't understand this method. There's no spaghetti. I don't you like. You gotta be kidding me! You don't have meat down there. Are you kidding? We me? have bologna. <laughs> we have hot dogs. We have meat, but the word meat is in quotes. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is meat product. Uh, well, that. that's that, that's actually the cheese, but yes. <laughs> oh yes, cheese product. Sorry. <laughs> Occasionally, we will get some aids on a pizza. Um, if it's fancy, you guys get pizza. Yeah, little skeezers, man. Oh, I love little skeezers. Yeah. Um, we we used. Well, let to... me tell you a lodge for you, Nick. Yes. <laughs> we we used to get uh, pizza from this real fancy place, but then they catered a gay wedding once, and then that was forbidden. So. What? When was this? This must have been yeah. before my time. <laughs> uh. It's a very popular local pizza joint uh, down by the river. Mm. Remember, we're not supposed to say. Mm-hmm. Here, let me, Brian, I just pulled up an email from a local lodge. They're having a fellow uh, not doing anything this week. But their next meeting, they're going to have pot roast, mashed potatoes, carrots and green beans, garden salad, fresh bread, and rolls. It, there's two different things. And cake for dessert. Twelve dollars. Small bills, please. Man, aren't you in aren't you in Florida? Where's the like gator tail and stuff like that? <laughs> Swamp stew. Gator is actually really good. It know. is. It is. Uh, not that I've ever had it because it's completely not kosher at all in any way, but I've heard it's really good. It's really good. So we found uh, a lot of success using like PayPal. I don't know if anyone else does that. Like PayPal, PayPal. swipers right on your the cell phones right when you yep. come through. And well, we use uh, we use Square, but uh, we've got the nifty Square register that we dropped an iPad in. Same concept. And, yep, same same idea. It's been very effective amongst the millennial masons who never have cash on their person. Uh, as soon as we installed that, the gift cabinet sales like tripled and. Uh, our breakfast stuff went through the roof and donations and people are asking to pay their dues through that, but I haven't figured out how to make that work yet. 
Plus, Harlan loves that he can send out detailed reports that show how much we've sold yes. and shit. Yes. <laughs> well, now we use it when we take cash, too. So even if you pay cash, it still runs through that. So, yeah, we've got tracking and reports. It's really handy. Um, the dude thing is tricky because there's a processing fee. And I'm, as the secretary, I'm charged to collect the $81 exactly. And so if there's going to be a two point whatever percent charge on that, then yeah. I, I, the lodge can't take that hit because uh, I'm not allowed to. But if I charge more for running a credit card than I would charge to run cash, uh, I don't think anybody would notice or care. But uh, I don't know. I just don't want to screw with that. So I thought about using a processing fee of just like $5 or something. <clears throat> Convenience yes. fee, like right. Ticketmaster, just charge like an extra yeah. seventeen dollars. <laughs> well, convenience for me, because also uh, we can't deposit that into the lodge account because the treasurer would have my head on a plate for dinner. Mm. So I had I would have to create another account, and then the money's going into my account instead of straight to the treasurer. And there's there's a lot of little details I have to work out, but it has been a hit. Um, it is a good thing to look into. Uh, it sounds like everything that works for us as a lodge, Brother Simmons Lodge is already doing and being all clandy with it. Mm. Yeah. They're all having a good time and not arguing with each other and stuff. No, 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 no. There is argument. Yeah. Do you guys ever argue in lodge, Brian? Um, no, not in lodge. We, uh, everything's done in committees. So all arguments happen privately and Good. then uh in lodge the master will just wrap you down pretty quick but, but there are there are arguments before well, they course. start they get wrapped down when you when you spend yeah. all your time after lodge talking about religion and politics how could there not be well what i'm saying is, is arguments important like if you go to a lodge and nobody's arguing about anything privately in lodge wherever they are you if no one's arguing about stuff it, it should be a sign that they don't care you mean debate Yes, well, same thing. We do debate. We don't argue. When you have a bunch of guys who are nitpicking at each other over something that may or may not actually matter, mm -hmm. usually that's a sign that, that both sides of that issue actually care enough about the lodge to spend the time arguing over it. Like, I tend to see that as a good thing, even though it's a pain in the neck sometimes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We had that when um, we were voting to put money towards building an app for the lodge. And it was a lot of like, is this really going to work? What are we going to do with it? Is it worth it? And, you know, so good, healthy debate. Yes. It's, I say that about ritual too. Like when we get into our ripping arguments about what, what is correct or not correct, because we don't have a standard Grand Lodge approved ritual. Um, I take that as a sign that our Randy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> our ritualists care enough about doing things correctly to spend the time arguing over it. Whereas if you go to a lodge where people just kind of go with the flow and it's like, eh, it's whatever that might sound like it's more peaceful and harmonious, but I really see that as you guys don't care enough to, to do what you think is right and stand up for it, even if you disagree about it. So I, I, I always kind of take the unpopular approach to that like that's, that's a good thing to have. It just needs to be contained and kept out of, you know, open lodge and somehow reined in from disrupting the peace and harmony. 
Mm. But it, it's it's important. It's a sign of a vital active lodge when when your guys are going at it with each other over stuff. What did you guys want to mobile up for? So we have um, quite a few artists in our lodge. Plus, we're really close with Brian Flynn and and trying to come up with some ideas for T-shirts and. And stuff like that. So the mobile app makes everything easier to be able to sell. Plus, we do tons of various events that cost money, cigar dinners. And, you know, we have an alchemy day in late July that's coming up. And to be able to sell it all, it's a lot quicker on an app than it would be for, you know, trying to find a member of the lodge and whatnot. Hmm. Hmm. We were going to build an app, and then uh, Jason just started a Slack group, and, well, nobody feels like we need an app anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And I was taking too long to build it, because that's what I do. I've got, like, a new website for the podcast that's been in the work for, like, three years. Um, (laughs) I am terribly slow about these things. Mm. Uh, Perfection is the enemy of done is something I keep telling myself and then not listening. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, wow. Well, it's super awesome. You're doing so many awesome things for your lodge. I know everybody listening is going to take notes and definitely uh, want to hear more about it. No, we're not. I'm going to put them in the minutes and I'm going to read them and everyone's going to snooze. Nobody, nobody's going to be minutes. it. No one's going to listen to the minutes. Correct. Minutes next. On One night minutes. in the middle of the minutes, I inserted <laughs> a paragraph besmirching the chastity of Bruce's mother and it went on for like two minutes in the middle of the minutes and uh, no one noticed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, are you, do you have to read the minutes by your grand constitution? Yeah, that's a thing. So it's not just the minutes. Um, any correspondence or anything like that has to be read in full Um for the lodge during the meeting. So like if we get a letter nominating someone for grand junior warden, I have to read the whole thing. Um, If someone turns in a petition, I have to read the petition, like not just the blanks that were filled in. Um, And it's not, I think it's just a cultural thing here because I don't just see that in lodge. Uh, I'm really active in local politics. And if you go to a city council meeting or the county legislature, whatever it may be, Um, It's like that too. So the city attorney, uh, every ordinance that comes before the city is read word for word, verbally on the record. Um, It's it's a thing, and all all the other civic groups and organizations here, it's just how it's done. I don't know if there's a high contingency of people who don't know how to read here, or or why that's just a social norm. Uh, But it, it, it is what it is. So I. I have to read everything. I didn't know that. Well, I think there's value to reading the minutes to the point where you're ensuring that the lodge history is being preserved properly. Um, I mean, we just found a slightly different way to do it without being verbal, but I do definitely think the minutes need to be written to preserve the history of the lodge. So I don't want to think everyone, you know, the, the minutes are cheap to me. It's just I don't want to hear them. Yes. I mean, I can I could read them a whole lot faster 
in my like if I was reading them off the page, then I could, you know, reading them aloud. Um, and everybody could do that at their own pace when they felt like it instead of all at the same time listening to me. Uh, but as I've attempted thus far, the idea of printing the minutes and, and having everyone just grab a copy if they're interested um, has been met with some opposition. Uh, that's still a goal I have. I've got a big list of, of Masonic goals for my lodge. And getting rid of the verbal reading of anything and everything, and that is uh, that is on the list. Because I do love hearing myself talk. That's why I'm on a podcast. Um, but I'd rather hear myself talk about stuff that I want to talk about rather than the minutes. Not that anyone cares about the minutes or what I want to talk about, so I guess they wouldn't care. <laughs> but I would care. So do you do like shooting events and stuff like that? I mean, guns are pretty kind of iffy up here, but, uh, yes, uh, we do. Uh, I mentioned the, the, uh, non-competitive, non-chance game giveaway, um, of an AR-15. Um, we, we had a, a couple of times, we had a gun club at our lodge for a while and then landscaper Josh was in charge of it. So I'll leave you to conclude why we don't have one anymore. Um, but, uh, yes, it's, a, it's a big thing here. Uh, a lot of lodges do that. There's, there's a lodge further down in the sticks, uh, that has a huge following for its annual Turkey shoot. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of guns here. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, they're, they're social clubs actually called like the rod and reel club. Hmm. Um, and then there's another lodge that their social club is the gun club. So Oops. yes, it's a big thing. See, we don't really get much into that. Rhode Island does it, and they do game dinners and stuff like that, but I don't see it too much in Massachusetts, at least on the, the eastern half. Maybe out west they do it a little bit more. Yeah, you got to get out into western Pennsylvania for that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's really big amongst our Mennonite brethren. Okay, it was funny, but don't all laugh at once. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm still trying to, in my mind, try to figure out how I'm going to go to the lodge where I'm at and bring this all to them. But then I, I probably just, I thought that, that you and, uh, you and, and your illustrious colleague, uh, were going to start your own lodge with blackjack and hookers. Yeah, and we, smoking were, we were, but he got shingles and now it's like, oh, I'm in too much pain to start a lodge. And that stuff's no joke, man. I've watched shingles take out some seriously <clears throat> beefy dudes. Yeah. No, it's yeah. It sucks because, you know, he's probably and Brian, I don't know if you know David Riley. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I think maybe you would agree with me that it couldn't have happened to a you know a greater man, right? So it sucks. I think his whole whole lodge is is actually full of phenomenal people. Um, I don't know if you uh, I don't I don't know how extensive your travels have been up here, but um, they have a chaplain that I met when I was a fellow craft, and he's he's out of this world. He's covered in tattoos, and there's an old punk rocker, and he's just the coolest guy. 
Who? Which one? It's um, Hank Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically describe landscaper Josh, who is our chaplain. So maybe we're uh, maybe we're a lodge from that place, but located elsewhere. Man, we are uh, ahead of our time where we are. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's for sure. We are so far ahead of the curve. Like when we look, uh, try and look around, you can't. There's nobody else there. Like, what, well, there's why, purple why, people why eaters there wagging their finger at us and tell us that we're not allowed to do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Telling us that we might took be a how they do it up in- And Freemasonry is going this way. Why did you turn that way? Yes. Uh, why, why, that might be how they do it over there in in, in Eastern Pennsylvania, but out here. We have it. Um, yeah. So, is there uh, anything else for? Uh, I I know uh, Nick has to get up early in the morning and run somewhere or something, or bike somewhere, or swim somewhere. Yeah, I think I'm swimming. Probably all eating more damn bacon. It's probably what he has to do. <laughs> they say they say bacon's I don't know good for you or something. But no, tomorrow morning I gotta wake up and swim like a mile. <clears throat> you don't have to. I pay a lot of money for my triathlon coach every month. <laughs> so doing stuff like this helps make it worth it. I see. You're getting Excellent. married soon, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, that'll come to an end. So yeah, uh I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go on, Bruce. Brian, is there anything else you wanted to uh, talk about? That doesn't involve making us feel yeah, less that, cool? That, that isn't essentially just bragging about how much more <laughs> awesome your lodge is than ours? I think it's a state if you ask me, but... <laughs> no, it is definitely not. You stop it. David Riley has filled your head with all this nonsense about that place. Excuse me, I was raised there. <laughs> no, I mean... You know, I'm kind of envious that you guys have all the turkey shoots and stuff like that. And, you know, that's not trying to brag at all. It's just trying to oh, I know. I revive trying to a lodge to the point where it's worth being a lodge. That's all. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a very noble prospect. And, uh, like, to your end, it sounds like you've done a heck of an awesome job. You have. It's the uh, – you're living the objective that I think most of our audience – is trying to do with their own lodges. Uh, that's a big part of why they listen. And because I'm funny as hell, but mostly to try to emulate making their lodge better. Hey, and Brian, you didn't even go into, you guys have a YouTube channel. Uh, we do. What? <laughs> um, yeah. I have to pull it up to remember what it's called. We just started it. Um, we host this giant symposium once a year. I can't really get into it without giving a location away, but um, I mean, several. Uh, <laughs> I think that ship has sailed, brother. <laughs> yeah. We're all gonna find you on Facebook now. We're just gonna look for the Masonic Lodge oh. page that's eleven thousand members. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 Harlan. He's the other one. <laughs> yeah, the other. 11,000 members. That's more than... Uh, the, I looked this up a few minutes ago, by the way. The uh, Freemasonry subreddit only has like 9,500. So that's a thing. You know who you have to compare it against? Hang on. The Winding Stairs Facebook group. 
They have 10,000. That's crazy. Wow, you have more than them. Yeah, but how many of those are bots? Yeah, that's also a thing. I mean, the same unsubstantiated. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, anyway, uh, we had this giant convention over the weekend, but we, we set it aside the night before, did a media night, and sat down with a lot of the speakers and, and did interviews with them and everything. So we hopefully our... Um, Digital media committee will get, be able to edit, edit those soon, and uh, we'll get those up. Wait a minute. Nick, is that conference the one you were sending me text about that they were having a podcast host thing? Yeah, that's him. Hey, that's that guy. So were, were all of the other Masonic podcasts there but us? Um, not completely. Okay, yeah, that that's about what I thought. Well, Bruce, we suck at life. Um <laughs> Go ahead and book Bill Schnobeline. We, 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 we kind of saw that coming, though. That one's on us. <laughs> hey, well, I asked if to... I could go and get get it expensed to Brian, but you know, they kind of got the budget on the grip. Well, so I think I got it confused with the 300th anniversary thing that the round guys at a square table are doing uh, in June. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very different. Um, this yes, is just a completely completely free event you know we had 46 masonic owned vendors and um seven lectures and then a eight person discussion panel on masonic symbolism and that's awesome did a tall seated degree and the shrine was there doing degree or a half ceremonial or whatever they called it i don't know um and then grotto did a great degree and their association wow. convention and don't leave us in the dark next year, and uh, maybe one of us will make an appearance. Uh, since you know you're not that far from Pennsylvania, and uh, it's true, it's true. Quite a few people came from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> um no, we. I, I. I would definitely like to make appearances at some of these things. Um, it's something we've traditionally neglected because we refuse, refuse to acknowledge that we were a Masonic podcast. Um, that was a thing we had going for a while. Uh, I, I, I was on the opposing side of that. So uh, now that we have embraced our, our true selves, uh, I, I don't know. I need to go do these things, but I think I'm too prominent and I don't want to. I don't want to like <laughs> upstage the event. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. Totally that. <laughs> well, it's, hey, uh, it's a good time. Yeah, Brian. What was that event with that video that you posted? You had those quartet something singing or something. Oh, we put together a uh, a ladies' night. Um, widows groups and all that just sounds really depressing. So we decided to intermingle all the widows with the active wives and made a ladies group. And then once a year, we're going to have a special meeting just for them. And we brought a, essentially a glee club from a local college down and they sang to them for half an hour and free meal. And they had a blast. So the widows and the soon to be widows. More or less. Yeah. Okay. But we had about 35 of them. So it was a good turnout. That is a good turnout. We, I mean, we have a we have a lot of widows at our lodge, and getting like eight of them to show up is a big deal. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh Maybe if we had a glee club, Bruce. Um Bruce, why does your lodge suck so much? Well, you know, it doesn't help that we have a really lazy master this year. Gosh. Bruce is the master. Say that about him what? <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't know? I... We voted on you in December <laughs> and everything. <laughs> I did not know. I guess I should come to lodge sometimes, huh? <laughs> oh, man. Check the website. Wait. Never mind. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> It's okay, Harlan. I'll get all the info off our Lodge's Facebook page. How did you guys... Who reached out to all the ladies for Ladies Night? Did you guys, like, mail or phone call? <clears throat> um, in Massachusetts, anyway, we use Maury as our secretary system that calculates all the membership and everything. Um, it's essentially a giant fill-in-the-blank card for each member. And there's so many blocks in there that just weren't getting filled out, you know, spouse name and um, spouse birthday and stuff like that. So we ended up sending information letters to the entire membership and have them update all their information, addresses, phone number, email, and everything. And by the time we were done, we had 45 spouses and widows and, and whatnot. And we just figured that that was the best way to compile them off the original list we were already doing anyway. And that's pretty much how we tracked them all down. A little bit of reaching out to the Eastern Star chapter to catch some of the widows, but most of it was just sitting in the lodge and we didn't even realize it. Wow. Well, hmm. well this has been uh, has been motivating. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was I was, I was thinking awesome our lodges and how depressing. much lodges suck. Good work. So this is a uh, change of pace for us. Uh, next week, you can join us as we have that uh, old guy with the six-member lodge that has the building that's falling apart. Uh, we're going to talk to him about what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Brian, if anybody has any questions, um, if anybody wants to find your Facebook page or anything like that, how can they contact you? Um, on Facebook, pretty much. Um, I'm out there. All right. And you know, you got to give it to them. Yes. With we, the Facebook page? Yeah, you can like, so we're at the end of the show and uh, we're okay with you like plugging stuff and whatnot now. No. Are you peddling wares or? No, I don't. For I don't your lodge. Do um, <laughs> if you don't want to say it by name, that's fine. I mean, we don't we don't have to. Yeah, um, yeah. Give, yeah. Give that out. This is your one chance to reach out to, to tens. <laughs> tens. Literal. Literal tens. More than ten. I'm kind of looking for a literal elevens because that's where I'm at. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. No, we're at uh, Ezekiel Bates. Uh, lodge in Attleboro, and it's eb1870.org, and then everything is all connected and interwoven, if you will. YouTube and Twitter and what else, whatever. Twitter. Unbelievable. We don't do much with it. We're not ready for that yet. Uh huh. Uh huh. Baby well, steps. I know what I'm going to be up all night doing. Got to one up them. This might have been the kick in the ass I needed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Is it, right. is, it, is it getting the money together to come up with uh, 12,000 fake people to like your Facebook page? Oh, that, that's, that's not hard. I'm going to outsource that. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's not a big deal. Um, we have a huge influx from Africa. I don't know if anyone else has run across that. <laughs> like, not even joking around. Like, oh, really? Three times a week, I'll get people from Eastern Africa trying to become Freemasons through, like, the message on the Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. But they just need you to pay the taxes on their petition first. And then, no, that's just Nigeria. Yeah. No, they just legitimately think that the Freemasons can make everything better. It's kind of sad, but, you know. Well, I mean, they can if there's that one old guy on your Facebook page that really thinks he has a Nigerian <laughs> inheritance. Well, yeah. It only takes one. Um, that's, you know, you try that scam with 10 million people, and if one of them falls for it, it was worthwhile. I'm going to do that for my lodge. You could. <laughs> well, there was the scam going on for a while uh, with they, it was the guys from someplace, but they were pretending to be from London and they're a Freemason and they were stuck and they were calling out for help. Yeah. And there were more than a few uh, elderly brothers who fell for that and were being good Masons and shipping their money away. Man, that's a shame. It is, but uh, well, it is, but then also there's the fact that apparently we're renowned for that. So I don't know that that's such yeah. a bad thing. It sucks those guys got taken advantage of, but it means our reputation's worth something that we take care of each other. Well, chances are they don't even know what happened. Right? No. They don't know yeah. what happened, then they did a good thing still. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the in the book of karma, it worked <laughs> out. All right. Well, well um, Bruce, do we have anything awesome happening besides... Uh, the homeboys finishing our smoking lounge. Uh, I, I'm just girding my loins for uh, in, in preparation for the fair. Oh yes, that that's coming up. Um, the carnies, I've been dealing with them, so that's they are on the way. Um, sending Josh to go get them so they can bring their charter and uh, if you you'd have to go back quite a ways, Brian, in the show to uh, learn about the fraternity of free and accepted carnies uh, that we chartered. And they take care of our fares for us. I mean, that's pretty cool. We don't have that. Yes. Uh, you don't have carnies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Huh>. Got them. <laughs> yeah. No, like, oh, yeah. No joke. We do this. Uh, we do these two fairs, one in our city and one for the county. And they have about uh, seven to nine thousand and then twenty five to forty thousand people attend them respectively um and they they are what our lodge basically does that that is our charity effort and our fundraiser and everything else we do all year rolls into these two events um now do you have a table set up to recruit uh yes. so we do there at both events there's an exhibit for uh the the Grand Lodge, um, mostly Recruit staff. is a strong word, but we, we, we do have a table. Yes, uh, mostly mostly staffed by guys from our lodge, but uh, usually our guys are so busy, uh, you know, pulling the event together that some nearby lodges will work those booths. At least they used to. This year it may be all our guys. Um, but yeah, we, we have that. Uh, we do get quite a bit of interest. Uh, our petitions spike up around this time of year. 
because uh, we do this one coming up in mid-May, and then the other one is a 4th of July thing with a huge fireworks show, like a $40,000 fireworks show. Um, it, it's a it's a big one, and it is, it's a good time. Uh, it, it's kind of what our lodge has become renowned for, and unfortunately it means that a lot of my Masonic volunteer work involves dealing with carnies and sponsors and local politicians and exhibitors and none of it's pleasant, but then we get to the event and my work's mostly done. So then I just, you know, indulge more alcohol than I probably should and have a good time. Basically Harlan sits back and watches the rest of us run around. Like yes. Our hair is on fire. Kvetching about how I don't do anything mm-hmm. and then I don't even care because I had spent the past six months. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good, though. Uh, you know, I did a lot of that with the Masonicon, and by the time the day came, once I, you know, we did the, the prayer and um, Pledge of Allegiance, and then I handed it over to the MC for the day, and I was done. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> you know? feeling. Uh, it's, it's that uh, enjoying the fruits of your labor thing when you can kind of kick back and watch everything come together. Oh, no. Everyone came up to me and just complained about things that, well, you know, Patty that happened said. too. But if, it, if it's after like 7 p.m., I just kind of nod at them with my cross-eyed stare because they're kind of wobbling, <laughs> even though I'm sitting in a chair. Okay, um, well, that's nothing wrong with that. So I know they complain re- about things, but I just don't remember what they complained about. How does the retention come from that? Are they just coming in and saying, yeah, I'm interested, join in, and then you never see them again? Or So uh, we tend to run on a, uh, I like to call it the one in five rule. Um, so we will get, you know, for every five guys that, that show an interest, um, about one of them will actually follow through with a petition and initiation, uh, about one in five of those guys will eventually end up being raised. And about one in five of those guys are long-term committed, dedicated, you know, you see them for the rest of their life. Masons, um, it's not the greatest of statistics, but it's better than the norm for where we are. Um, so why do you think that is? Well, uh, at the beginning, it makes sense. So at the beginning, the, you know, about one in five guys who come and inquire actually follow through. That makes sense. You know, it's curiosity and yep. I think guys just figure out it's not for them and okay. Um, the EAs, uh, it may be more like one in four or less of the EAs. I don't think it's as bad of a stat who end up becoming master masons. A lot of that's because they, they come in and then they realize, Oh, I actually have to put something into this. Like they're not just going to hand me degrees. I have to learn a proficiency and come back to lodge and do stuff. Um, and I think a lot of guys, they was still mostly the coming through curiosity thing. And then they just figure it's not worth it. Um, and then of the guys who get raised, I sadly think a lot of it is when they realize that what we actually do at most of our business meetings is read minutes and talk about the fairs. Um, I think we, we lose some guys that way. But we're better than that now. I think the big issue we have now is we're initiating a whole lot of young guys and we're raising a whole lot of young guys. Those, those young guys tend to have you know, jobs and families and other commitments. Mm. And so I would definitely say in the past couple of years, my one in five rule has been tested. Uh, the number of master masons that we've raised that have stuck around in the past year or two is more like 1.5 and two. Um, 
That's so pretty we're, good, though. we're still about one in five on EAs who become master masons, but once they get raised, they have been, they may not be super active, but they don't disappear. Like, you know, they'll come and talk to you about, you know, I've got a wife and kids and I work on Saturday sometimes, so I can't take a chair or do some of this stuff, but you'll see them every few meetings um, and, and they're still happy to be there. So uh, that's definitely a big turnaround we've seen in the past few years. Um, but that's just how it's been. I've been around about 10 years and that it's just a recurring theme. I was raised with as one of three guys raised that night. I'm the only one that's still around. Um, it, it, I mean, that's been, it's just been the trend. Um, it's a whole lot better than the one in 10 or worse that I see at neighboring lodges of master masons who stick around. Hmm. And I just think a lot of it around here is that curiosity history channel, Da Vinci code thing. Yeah. Guys come in looking for something, they find something else, and it just, it is what it is. Um, I mean, they're all good men. Like, I, I've, it's very rare do we find somebody where we're like, oh, that was a mistake. Um, they're all guys that we would love to have, but, you know, we don't force anybody. So, uh, well, my, my other lodge does. I'll have to take that back. Um, I'm also a member of a traditional observance lodge and they do force you to come. <laughs> so, but it's also significantly smaller and we're lucky to raise one guy a year. Do you have to do the degrees every year, whether you have a candidate or not? No. Uh, well, huh? so we, we're supposed to, to get our MRF certification that we're still working on. Um, so I probably shouldn't call us a TO Lodge because that's a trademark term and we're not officially certified yet. Um, but uh, we do, we have done that before. Like last year we didn't have any candidates. So we did the degrees just as a lodge as part of a festive board function. Uh, so we do the degree and then head off to the, because we can't do it at the lodge because alcohol. So we'd head off to a restaurant where we had a room reserved to do our festive board. Um, but the retention rate there is a hundred percent. Every guy we've initiated becomes a master Mason and is still there. Um, so it's a different model. You still end up with the same number of Masons basically, yeah. but, uh, one of them is a, you know, shotgun approach and the other is the, the sniper rifle approach. <laughs> uh, I tend to prefer the latter, but, uh, that wouldn't fly at my mother lodge. So, you know, we, we, we're changing things, but you, you can't, you can't do a lot of things too quickly. Um, we, we want to keep the old guys grumbling, but we want them grumbling about one or two things at a time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So we're, we're getting there. I mean, we went from a lodge who might have five or six guys showing up eating some liver cheese and passing the hat to pay the light bill um, to a very vibrant active lodge of brothers whose wives and kids know each other and we're involved in these fairs and we do a lot of really cool things and we're at lodge till 2 or 3 a.m. on lodge night. Um, we're, we're kind of renowned in, our, in this part of our state uh, for a lot of things, uh, being the progressive lodge that's growing and doing awesome stuff, and also for being troublemakers. So uh, it, it's 
it's quite a transformation in 10 years. Um, well, the two go hand in hand, just pretending on the uh, perception of the person. You know, you're doing yes. something good, but you're still a troublemaker because something's changing. <laughs> well, the Grand Lodge, it, it's, it's the paradox here. If you ever notice, maybe it's not like this in your state. But whenever you go somewhere, you've always got these people talking about, you know, Freemasonry's numbers are declining and the fraternity's dying and we need more young guys. And here's what you need to do to fix it. And then they've got this grand plan of what we do to fix it. And it's always some guy who's drawing social security talking about what young guys are showing up wanting. And it, it, it seems to be this rehash plan over and over again about we need more publicity and we need to make things easier and we need to do more fish fries. And, and our lodge has taken the exact opposite approach and that's what's made us successful. We, we think there's, there's definite value to Masonic secrecy. It's, it's a thing that makes us unique and it's yeah. something you can't find elsewhere. We don't think it's something you should give away. Like we, you should earn it. Um, we don't think that fish fries and, and public hand-waving ceremonies are, are the way to do it. We, we do those things, but we do it to raise money for charity, not to garner attention about why you should be a Mason. Yeah. Um, and, and when we shift our focus to you know, building that fraternity of brothers that's unlike anything else you're ever going to find, on, on studying the ritual and, and topics of a more philosophical or higher or, you know, raising the compass above the square, if you will. Um, when we, when we focus on being that, that safe place where Masonic secrecy kicks in. And if you're struggling with something, this is the guys you can talk to about it and you don't have to worry about them jumping onto Facebook and telling the world. Um, it, it, those things have been, very, very powerful tools for attracting and retaining young members. Because as a, I hate to call myself a millennial, but technically I am. Uh, uh. Yeah. So <laughs> as, as a millennial, like that's something I can't find anywhere else. It doesn't exist. It, it's, it's something very unique to Freemasonry. And we should focus on what sets us apart instead of trying to be like everyone else because we're just going to get lost in the crowd. Yeah. Well, absolutely. You know, I think one of the biggest things is Masons are phenomenal at making plans, but they are horrible at executing any of them. Um, it's true, but all of the things that we do are things that the Grand Lodge has said you shouldn't do if you want a healthy, vibrant lodge. But everyone who's following that advice doesn't have a healthy, vibrant lodge. And, and, and it's this this irony we have around here about the purple people leaders don't seem to want to listen to the lodge that's actually doing it. And it's, if you think the proof is in the pudding, you'd think you would go to the lodges like yours and say, Hey, you know, show us what you're doing. Cause clearly that's working. I mean, I think to credit to my grand lodge, they actually reached out to us for that purpose. Um, yeah. You know, we're working on building tools with the grand lodge on how we communicate with people and, you know, I, I just think a lot of it's tools. I think that a lot of the lodges aren't going to exist, you know, in the next 10 years. But, I mean, they're just, they're already dead and they just don't know it. I, I should be fair because uh, we have some past grandmasters and whatnot that listen to this show. So let me clarify that last statement. 
when I say the Grand Lodge, I mean like the Grand Craft, the body that makes the rules. I don't mean individual Grand Lodge officials. Yeah. A lot of them yeah. do pay very close attention to us. Uh, but whenever the ideas we put forward try to make their way into our rules through the Grand Craft, they, they always fall flat on their face. Um, so I, I wanted to clarify when I say Grand Lodge, I, I don't mean like the Grand Line necessarily. Well, that's, that that's, clear? That's, what I, that's what I figured. Uh, Pass Grant has been. I know you're listening, and don't come throw eggs at my house again. <laughs> uh, if that shows you what kind of state we're in, when the Pass Grand Master will egg your house for something you say on a podcast. That's awesome. We're all really 12 inside. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, honey, go get the eggs. <laughs> Joker wants to say uh, something. Yeah, so... And, you know, he knows where I live because we've got a Grand Lodge database system. Just it's it's not Maury, but it's our home brewed version. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I think there there is value to taking lodges like yours and, and some of the successes of mine and collaborating harder on what's successful for you and what the demographic that that success falls under, I think, because mm -hmm. in Massachusetts alone, there's so many different sections of, of the state and what works in my town isn't going to work in Boston or Western Mass yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's definitely true here. Uh, we live in an area where there are, there's a couple of major metropolitan areas and the rest of the state is just, you know, sticks. And what works in those, those college towns or those, those, you know, mid, mid sized cities um, isn't necessarily going to be what is effective when you get out into, you know, the hills and farmland. So, yeah, there's there's something to be said about that. Uh, we, we do have uh, out in the most rural ends of our state, uh, there are there's another lodge which competes for us, competes with us for the mantle of, you know, emerging, young, vibrant lodge. Uh, and they do things not much like we do them at all. Um, they really are doing it with the, the fish fry kind of local community lodge thing. So, yeah, I guess it is different for everyone. I just wish there was a way that you could, like, figure out, you know, your demographic is this and the average age group joining is this, you know, it's just the data and figuring it out. Yeah. That's what I'm well, chasing. <laughs> so my solution for that is, is Masonic federalism, which is, you know, empower local lodges to do what works for them and stop with the top down bureaucracy. Um, because if your lodge implements the after lodge method and begins with any lodge, no matter where you're located with, spending time together breaking bread with your brothers you're going to figure out what your demographic is and what will work just by virtue of spending time with those guys and having those discussions and then if you can do what's going to work for you uh you'll be successful but in a lot of jurisdictions the grand lodge has you know these guardrails on everything so tight that your lodge doesn't have much ability to experiment or to step outside the box. It's, you know, in our jurisdiction, the Grand Lodge fixes everything down to when, when you're allowed to fix and collect dues. Like, 
you can't have yeah. one lodge who says dues are due in this month. If another lodge wants to have them due in August, well, you're not allowed to do that. The Grand Lodge has said this is when it happens. Um, how long you can allow? How long you can carry someone before you suspend them? That's not a lodge bylaws function. That's that's Grand Lodge. What degree the master is allowed to open his lodge on? Dictated by Grand Lodge. Um, it, it's. I think that is is a big hindrance, at least for us, and I would imagine in, in other jurisdictions as well. So it's almost like unnecessary traditions that they won't change, even though we used to meet in bars. Yeah, well, and so, but if it was my lodge that was so strict about this, like if my lodge had in its bylaws no alcohol on the premises ever under any circumstances, I don't want to say I'd be okay with that, but I I would accept that. It's because it's my lodge deciding what's the best for us. But I think when it comes from the Grand Lodge, which is the coalition of you know all the lodges, democracy being three wolves and a sheep voting on what to have for dinner, um, it, it, it's you you get this kind of stuff. And our Grand Lodge has just, and again, the Grand Craft, not the Grand Line, PGM. Don't come after me. <laughs> um, it, it, it's like every year we we there's these attempts to add more bureaucracy and more rules to the grand lodge body of law to further restrict what a local lodge is allowed to decide for itself. And I, I tend to take the view that the grand lodge beyond, you know, making sure there's cohesion between the various lodges should take a much more hands-off approach. Uh, If your lodge wants to, to do things a little outside the box, that's, you know, that, that's healthy because it, it, it might work really well and then other lodges emulate it uh, or you might fall on your face and destroy your lodge. But then, you know, it's one lodge gone instead of the whole jurisdiction. Yeah. 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 The merits of federalism. You can imagine that my, uh, my civic politics lean in a very similar direction. So it might just be my anti-authoritarian. <laughs> Might just be my, my teenage angst carrying into my 30s, and I just don't like authority. <laughs> We've heard. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I know Nick was trying to end the show a long time ago. That was like a whole show ago. It was, but it's what happens when we have, when we have, when we have cool guests. Yeah, yeah, you can cut up whatever you want. I just, you know, I'm always curious when I'm meeting people from different jurisdictions, so you don't need any of this in there, really. No, we, we, we recorded. <laughs> no, no, no. So the, the issue is that uh, Bruce has to get up in the morning and take the milk out to everyone's house before it gets warm, and Nick has to, you know, do whatever he does in the pool. Is Bruce really a milkman? Yeah. Well, um, I'm, a, I'm a mailman. Oh yeah. well, that's like milk. Yeah, uh, there was a time when there was a reason How? that Bruce didn't want people knowing what he did for a living. It's pretty much the same job. Uh, I still have uh, no idea what Bruce looks like. No idea. Well, it's probably for Seriously? the best. How would I have known? Have we not conversed on Facebook? No. <laughs> Is there? Oh, I was going to add you on the After Lodge Facebook page, but it it you know doesn't exist. Yeah. So. We've we've discussed this before, Nick. Uh, somebody, st- Nick, go start an After Lodge page, and I'll Seriously. talk on the show about how it's the official just, page. Just and, don't add me to it because we can't do that. Remember. 
Yeah, I remember. Oh, yes, that thing. That's why someone's wife was doing it. Uh, well, he know. can add you as an admin. You just don't like it. What? It still makes my name show up. No, it shouldn't. Well, pretty sure it does. does. Yeah. Huh, that must have changed. What if you make a fake Facebook page? I can do that, but then I have to like log in and out every time, which yeah. I can do. Anyways. Anyways. Right. Yeah, that's well, all uh, logistical we're, stuff. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, Brother Simmons, thanks again for joining us and hanging out with us after Lodge. Yeah, Brian, we uh, really appreciate you coming on. Hey, hey, Bruce, you know your entire Facebook page is public? No. You should probably fix that. That's not the case. I'm definitely looking at everything, and we're not friends. Are there cheeseburgers? What do you mean everything? Because I'm looking at every single post right. I've made in the last. Y'all are gonna have to sort this out after. Yeah, this. <laughs> we'll sort it out after this. Well, thanks uh, for joining us for social media. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, but if you're ever if you're ever in our uh, our part of town, you know, come come look us up, and uh, you can stop by and tell Bruce what he's doing wrong with his lodge, <laughs> or or my social media, or both. Yeah. Well, preferably I both. Together. I don't judge people. I just sit there and bicker on the sidelines like a grumpy past master. And I love I it. Love it. Exactly. Ridicule right. everything. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it for episode 165 of the After Lodge podcast with Brother Brian Simmons. This is the greatest. You can find the show notes for this or any previously published episode at www.afterlodge.com. You can find us on Tribute. I'm not going to say Facebook or Twitter. You sure us an email at afterlog at gmail.com. Uh, leave us a voicemail. There's a phone number in the show notes on afterlodge.com somewhere. Hang out with us on IRC at irc.snunet.org. Pound sign Freemason, where you can find the link to the live stream if you're around on Tuesday or Wednesday evening when we do it. It's the only place for now that uh, you can find the live stream. Plus, you can find a lot of really cool brothers from all over the world to hang out with. It's not really just me and Nick. Um, and the best place to find us, if you can't make it to IRC for some reason, is on the Freemasonry and After Lodge subreddits. So get on Reddit, learn some things. Until next week, brothers, we will see you on the other side. Look into my eyes and it's easy to see One and one make two, two and one make three It was destiny Once every hundred thousand years or so When the sun doth shine and the moon doth glow And the grass doth grow Needless to say The beast was stunned A whip crack went his rumpet tail And the beast was done he asked us, be you angels? And we said, nay, we are but men. Remember
Just a matter of opinion. Ah! 